The T20 World Cup betting bonanza continues. It's cricket, only better. We're back again. I'm Ed Hawkins, betting.betfair cricket correspondent. Becoming something of a habit, this. A nice one, though. Thanks for letting us into your ears again. It's show 106. Let's say hello to Sam Collins. Hello, hello, or 106, as, as some people call it. Um, <laughs> second, all of everything lovely that Ed Hawkins said, of course. We've got more betting brilliance, hopefully, for you today. Tips, strategies, teams, analysis even a special guest. But first, Richard Mann, fresh from his a lover's tiff with Rassie van der Dussen today. Richard, tell us all about it. He let me down badly, but he's he's, look, he's looking in good touch, thankfully. And I thought South Africa did well, a good win against West Indies today. Feels like the World Cup's really hotting up now. Pakistan obviously looking exceptional. So, no, really excited about what's to come. Excellent, Richard. That's great to hear. Um, these are the games you are calling tonight. West Indies versus Bangladesh. Pakistan versus Afghanistan, South Africa versus Sri Lanka, and drum roll, England versus Australia. Are you up to the challenge? I am indeed. Good. Good. Best, best bets is what you stay for. We win you money, but you also stay for the special guests. And on this show, we've got esteemed Times cricket writer Lizzie Ammon to give us the lowdown on that England versus Australia grudge match. Can't wait. Don't forget, we're coming at you three times this week um, and a week generally through the tournament. Our next show follows on Friday. In the meantime, let's get ready to rumble. Right, as usual, we start with the outright. Prices from Betfair Exchange, um, Pakistan, Ed Hawkins's call have now zoomed in to 3.9 favourites. But this is a marathon, not a sprint. India still second at 4.3. England have uh, gone out to 4.6, which feels a bit harsh, um, although that will inevitably shorten if they beat Bangladesh. Next is Australia, 8.2. Um, the numbers get pretty big from here. New Zealand at 18.5. South Africa also 18.5. Afghanistan at 38. Sri Lanka, 50 to 1. Uh, West Indies apparently don't even uh, warrant a figure. Uh, Ed Hawkins, tournament lowdown, please. Just to reiterate, as we're going to be doing a lot of this, a lot of reiterating throughout this tournament, just to make sure that you're betting sensibly, there is a tournament chase bias. There are 13 wins for the side batting second out of 19 matches. There's also a boundary percentage bias. What does that mean? It means the biggest batting power units are winning the matches. So... Hit the most fours and sixes, win the game. 15 out of 19. And if you want to find out who are the biggest boundary percentage hitters, go to betting.betfair because we've got the cumulative averages for those sides. We've only had two ties. South Africa, who beat West Indies, won the only sides to win a match having not hit the most boundaries against the West Indies. Richard Mann, Ed Hawkins has been bleating on pretty consistently that the toss is absolutely key and that short prices are to be sniffed at in general. Should we be looking at big prices on Sri Lanka and Afghanistan now with an eye to trading out in a semi-final? Um, also, naturally, anything else you spotted in these last few games? Very interested to hear. Well, the, the toss price is, is making a massive difference. Uh, 
difference in shape in the way the groups are uh, going to end up. Um, I'm not quite sure that it'll be enough to help Sri Lanka and Afghanistan get through. I still think both of those sides are a little bit weak in the batting department uh, and I wouldn't be playing myself. Just something else I've noticed. I'm obviously very partial to a, to a play in the man of the match market, as, as regular listeners will know. Usually in the T20, quite, it usually favours the batsman. 50-60 out chasing will probably get you the gong. Nice big 50 in the first innings will get you the gong, but not in this World Cup, actually. And if you look through, Josh Hazelwood, man of the match with a two for. Moeen Ali with a two for, man of the match. Uh, Shaina Freedy against India with a three for. Majib, obviously, with a five for. Ralph today for Pakistan got four wickets and Nokia one for 14 got him the man of the match award it seems to be a real shift and favouring the bowlers and look that's fair enough these guys are shaping the matches um, but we didn't see that before and if you look at the way the markets are priced up you still see guys like Butler short Bairstow short and the bowlers are almost coming in behind them but it's not working out that way bowlers are being favoured so so when you're going through your man of the match bets over the next few days, I think an opening bowler, someone who's potentially going to shape the game with, with an opening burst, they're the guys to have on side. That is why we pay Richard Mann the medium bucks to be with us <laughs> on evenings like this. In exceptional insight. Um, thank you, Richard. Ed Hawkins, you've got a stat of the week. Um, I'm afraid to say it might involve a Crickonomics chart with the top five most reliable batters to bet. Yes, I thought I might get myself some music this week, but I ran out of time. We're going at giving you the top five. Who are the most reliable batters to bet to be top run scorer for their team from the bottom up? It's number five. It's Babarazan with a win percentage of 31%, and you'll be getting value on him as well. They won't go short enough on Baba. Next up, it's Bangladesh's Mohamed Naim at 36.3%. Followed by Quinton de Kock, 42%. However, we may well have seen the last of him. So at number two, it's Mitchell Marsh. We'll talk about him later for that Australia versus England game. 42% win rate. Terrific. And at number one, a surprise this, it's Aidan Markram, who's winning 50% of the time. And we've got 12 innings qualification period for that. So we're not doing short study samples. So... You can rely on these guys. Richard Mann, your thoughts on that and some of those numbers? Numbers, very interesting, actually. Mitchell Marshall, he got a bit of stick at the weekend for his, his innings against South Africa, people picking him apart on social media about his ability to play spin. But, but actually, a lot of those games will have come in Bangladesh on real turning pitches. So I think he's going OK. And I quite like Mohammed name for Bangladesh. And I'll, I'll talk about him later on. Those two guys I'm interested in. Um, Adrian Markham's doing pretty well, actually, considering he's batting at number four. That's some going for a number four. Special guest time, Ed Hawkins, talking to Times cricket writer Lizzie Ammon, who was going to set the scene for that England-Australia clash for us. That's right. We're very, very lucky to have Lizzie with us, joining us from the Times to talk England-Australia. It's the big one. Lizzie, welcome to Cricket Only Better. These are quite sought-after affairs, aren't they, in, t in white ball cricket? And they tend to be quite tight between these teams, which is odd because England are the white ball specialists. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's always a thing whenever you play Australia in whatever format it is. Um, uh, and they do tend to be quite tight affairs. Uh, I mean, it's quite hard to read anything into where we're at uh, so early on in the tournament. But, but uh, England, obviously... Uh, you know, dominant uh, in in terms of, of power hitting much more than 
uh, Australia, even with their, their, their power hitters. David Warner is in no form at all, um, you know, having been dropped by Sunrisers Hyderabad and, uh, and struggling, really. Um, uh, Steve Smith is, uh, you know, his strike rate is not uh, probably what it needs to be. There have been some some noises in Australia about uh, whether or not he should be in the team. Um, so it should be uh, an, an, an interesting affair, but um, uh, I can very much see England coming out on top. Yeah, let's just pick up on that uh, Australia selection. We've talked about it before on this show. Does Justin Langer have the guts to drop Warner ahead of the Ashes? Um, and does he have the guts to drop Smith? I mean, probably with Smith, no, because there just isn't anyone actually who could come in uh, for Warner and Smith. I mean, Joss English is a, is a terrific player, but they don't have a second really reserve batter, do they? But do you think no. do you think Warner do you think Warner is vulnerable? I, I I do actually yes because um, Justin Langer made some interesting comments uh, the other day about how he he'd been under pressure all year hasn't he he's been you know scrutinised and there were some showdown talks with his captains um, uh, sort of questioning his micromanaging of of the way he coached the team and he seems to have rather reluctantly learnt the art of delegation. Um, which means that I think that uh, Aaron Finch now has a bit more say in things, um, uh, and clearly he wants to he wants to win the tournament. Uh, and and if Warner is not in the best eleven, I do think they probably will have the guts to to drop him. It's just a case of when, how long they give him. And of course, in this tournament, you can afford to lose a couple of games, but no more than that, really. Indeed, no more than that. Uh, England. Uh, how's the brains trust going with England? Because there's a lot of talk about Moeen Ali being underused. And by the time we listen to this or this comes out, this podcast, he he might have batted at three and smashed 100. But are they making best use of Moeen? And Morgan is another one. Does he drop himself? He's only one decent hit away, isn't he, from playing the entire tournament? What's your inside track on it? I mean, it's he's such an enigma, isn't he, uh, Owen? Because... He has these long runs of poor form, um, but but he seems to be able to click back into form at some point, um, and then goes on goes on another run. We saw it in the twenty nineteen World Cup, actually, didn't we? Um, and um, in terms of Moeen, uh, yeah, I mean they've never quite worked out what to do with him in terms of uh, in the batting lineup. Obviously, we saw in the first game that he was absolutely invaluable with the ball. Um, uh, and and you know there may be circumstances where that happens again that his, his value is with the ball. Um, uh, so, but that I think what we saw from Indi uh, England's game against West Indies was that they're prepared to be pretty flexible, aren't they? And just read the match situation and shuffle about the order um, as they need to, which of course doesn't help Moen in the slightest because he doesn't really know what really know what his role is. Um, and that's always been the problem with Moen really. And, Whatever format he plays in, isn't it? Um, that they he hasn't got a clearly defined role. But um, uh, I, I mean, I, I I always think England are a better side with Moen in it, not the not in it. Uh, yeah, indeed, they're they're shuffling their pack. Do Do you think England don't basically know their best side? Um, and do you think perhaps by the end of the group stage they will know their best side, and then they'll be very hard to stop. Uh, I think so, because I think at the moment they're obviously having to adjust to the conditions. Some of them have played IPL, most of them haven't. Uh, they're having to adjust to ground dimensions. 
you know, four of their five group games are night games and then the dupe comes into play and this and the other, which means that what your best 11 would be on a road at Trent Bridge is just not the same, is it, at all um, uh, in the UAE. So I think they probably don't know what their best 11 is for this tournament yet. And it might be that their best 11 is not the same best 11 for the semifinals as it is for the finals, if you see what I mean, in terms of what the conditions are. Um, and that's sort of to their credit uh, that they're prepared to, to, to be a bit horses for courses. And, you know, they've got a good squad, um, a, a really strong squad and a really versatile squad, you know, and all things being considered, England really should win this tournament, shouldn't they? Looking at, looking at their sort of consistency and their, and their squad. England have options. A lot of teams don't. Thanks so much, Lizzie. Brilliant stuff. You're welcome. Lovely stuff from Lizzie there. Now let's get into the meat of the show and find you some winners. All right, part two, game time. Chronological order as per usual. First up, West Indies versus Bangladesh from Sharjah on Friday. The early show from Betfair Exchange has the West Indies at 1.4 and Ed Hawkins with a lowdown. West Indies surely going to change this lineup. They've got to. They've got to do something. They've lost their first two. So, Lendl Simmons is going to be a casualty surely after one of the worst T20 performances you'll ever see. West Indies, Lewis, Gale opening the batting. They're bringing Roston Chase in, surely, to please Richard Mann. Peran, Pollard, Russell, Hetmar, Bravo, Walsh, Thomas, Hussain. Bangladesh lining up like this. Naeem, Das, Shakib, Mushfakir, Mahmudullah, Afith, Mahedi Hassan, Saifuddin, Nurul, Nasum, and the Fizz. Three wins each in the head-to-head in the last six since 2018. So some good tussles. Let's go. Richard Mann, the million-dollar question, what has gone wrong with West Indies? Um, Ed mentioned on show 104 that we might have been all gulled by their big performances in, in poor tournaments from some of these players. Yes or no? What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling to make head and tail of them, to be honest. You feel like a big performance is just around the corner. But, I mean, team management and team selection has been a shambles. I mean, they're still sticking with Gale and Lendl Simmons, who, who really just look a long way from, from, from the fine players that they've been. They look a long way from that now. Obviously, the, the fact that Sunil Narayan isn't here is a big blow and a, another black mark against team management, really. <sighs> I just, I just wouldn't trust them. And, and to be honest, I'd be keen to put Roston Chase up here, but I wouldn't trust that they'll still do the right thing and bring him in. The look of shambles to me. And I think if, if Bangladesh actually just turn up and put in a solid performance, I, I think they can beat the West Indies. Ed Hawkins, what's the strategy here? Going against Richard a bit, because I just think that uh, sooner or later that West Indies batting is going to fire. And obviously I'm not going to suggest backing them at 1.4. That'd be crazy. Uh, What we need is caveats. We need Bangladesh to bat first and we need them to bat well against an admittedly weak West Indies bowling lineup. So they could go 160, 170, maybe even 180. Let's hope for for the bigger end. Um, and because there's that huge gulf on boundary percentage for West Indies, Bangladesh are, are really poor at hitting. Um, I'd back West Indies to chase pretty much anything. So fingers crossed, can we get on West Indies with Bangladesh having made about 180 or north of that? Richard Mann, what stands out for you here? Well, well I agree with that on, on power. I do think Bangladesh are, are really light on that. Um <sighs> 
I think I just, I still, I think if Bangladesh were chasing as well, I know we've just talked about West Indies, but I think Bangladesh chasing as well, that they could chase down a 170, 180 score. And I think you'd still get odds against. We've seen the massive toss buyers for the chaser. This West Indies bowling lineup, Hussein apart, and probably Bravo, it looks really weak. I mean, the, the other three really aren't going to frighten anyone. So Ed will probably look at his way at getting on West Indies in running. But I think Bangladesh should chase here as well. Okay, side markets, Ed Hawkins. Terrific bet for you here. I thought Kieran Pollard was going to make that top five when I started going through the old spreadsheets. He's got a win percentage of 26.5% over about 24, 25 games. He's He's got a great record winning this market and you're going to get um, six to one or better for top West Indies bat, uh, bat and that is a terrific price. Uh Fizz is returning about 36% of the time pre-England game, so unlikely to be short enough for top Bangladesh bowler and also for your top Bangladesh batsman. Afith remains a steal at prices bigger than 15-2. to two. He's a good hitter, him. OK, finish it off, Richard. Well, I like Afif as well, but I'm going to go with Mohammed Name here. A couple of reasons, really. I think this West Indies attack is so weak. The only threats are Hossein, the left-arm spinner, and Dwayne Bravo, who's generally been bowling at the back end. So I think opening has been an advantage anyway throughout the IPL and the start of this tournament, but particularly here, and particularly for a left-hander. Pre-England, he's made scores of 62 and 64 in two of his last three knocks, Mohammed Name. I know he's got Shakib to worry about, but I think he's a solid player at 16-5. to and he'll do for me against what I think is a weak bowling attack. Okay, tick for that one. Best bet still to come, of course. Next up is Afghanistan versus Pakistan on Friday from Dubai. Exchange prices, Pakistan are 1.33, Afghanistan 3.88. Ed Hawkins, over to you. Teams for you, Pakistan. Rizwan Baba Fakha, Hafiz Shoaib Malik, who found his hitting range finally after that dreadful CPL. He was knocking it out of the park to win them the game against New Zealand. Imad Asaf Ali, who's striking really will boost their chances of winning this tournament. There was a big doubt about Pakistan's boundary hitting. Well, he was absolutely brutal against New Zealand, winning them a tight game. Shadab Hassan Ali, who can also belt it. Uh, Shaheen Sharafridi and Harris Ralph, Afghanistan, Zazai, Shazad, Gurbad, Zadran, Nabi, Ashgar, Janat, Gulbadin, Rashid Khan, Naveen and Mujib. Uh, one match between these two, which was won by Pakistan, so nothing on the head-to-head. It's under lights, this one. This is an afternoon game, evening game, toss bias alert, Claxon. OK, Richard Mann, is there an upset on the cards here, potentially, if the toss goes to Afghanistan's way? You know, I've had someone putting that to me on Twitter just 20 minutes ago, and obviously, casing is an advantage, but I just think there's a class goal for you, and, and I think as dangerous Afghanistan are with the ball, and their top fours looked OK so far, this is a massive step up for that top four. Shaheen Afridi, Wazim... Uh, Harris Ralph I mean th- this is an exceptional Pakistan attack and toss bias or no toss bias I just think Pakistan will be Pakistan's attack will be too hot for Afghanistan Okay Ed Hawkins what are your views on, on the Afghanistanis? Yeah getting a bit of interest on Afghanistan on Twitter like Richard people saying don't underestimate them well let's just estimate them they've beaten up Scotland that is no great shake so what? Pakistan are an entirely different proposition. I know the odds are very, very short. 
Uh, but Pakistan are going to be used to playing the Afghanistan way. Rashid Khan and Mujib have got a much tougher task against this Pakistan batting lineup. So it's a side markets wager for me, I think. Okay. Um, side markets, any views? Well, I mean, Baba at nine to four or better is a bet. Likewise, Rizwan, they've got almost identical win rate. Win rates. Rizwan is just edged out. Uh, he's got thirty percent, I think. Uh, you could you could go with both of them. I think I think I'm right in saying that there's a bias for the openers at, at this venue. Richard will probably correct me. Um, and I just don't think these two are going to be worried by this Afghan attack. Okay, um, Richard Mann, what sticks out for you from those sides? Well, I, I did. Um, I mentioned about the man of the match uh, market seemingly favour favouring the bowlers, and and I just think Shaheen Afridi has already done it once against India. I think he could, I mean, he's so dangerous with that new ball and he's generally getting two overs with it as well. Um, I could see him knocking over a couple of Afghanistan's top order in, in two overs and then coming back and picking up another one at the death. And and the way the, the man of the match awards are, are being awarded, that might well be enough for him. So so I think that would be my play, Shaheen Afridi. The other one, I know um, Ed's a fan of Jannat of Afghanistan. He hasn't really had much of a go yet. Um, May about number six, but it, but if if that scenario happens where Pakistan make early inwards, Janat could be interested in the middle order if she wanted to throw a few quid at someone. But I think the main bet would be Afridi for me. Okay, two games down, best bet still to come, but now time for South Africa versus Sri Lanka and the big one, England versus Australia. South Africa versus Sri Lanka could well be a corker. It's on Saturday. It's from Sharjah, the early game, no prices yet, but Ed Hawkins has a lowdown for us. South Africa, we're going to think they're going to line up like this. No de Kock, so Hendricks, Bavuma, Markram, Rassi, Klaassen, Miller, Pretorius, Rabada, Maharaj, Shamsi and Nokjay, Sri Lanka, Kusal, Nisanka, Asalanka, the big hitter, Avishka, Wanindu, the big hitter, Rajapaksa, the big hitter, Shanaka, Karanaratni, Chamira, the hero and Fernando. South Africa won 3-0 against Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka in September. Don't forget that one. Richard Mann, is there a possibility for a shock win on the cards here, do you think? I don't see it personally. I think South Africa have done OK, you know, so far. I mean, poor batting performance against Australia, but they fought back really well in the field and, and just went down there. And then I thought they were really good against the West Indies. Pretty clinical. And, and we've talked about Pakistan's excellent bowling attack and they're probably the standout attack. But this South Africa one isn't that far behind. Um, Shamsi, Nokia, Rabada, um, Marahaj, terrific bowler in Test cricket and he looks like he's taking it into this format of the game. They're a dangerous side, South Africa. I know the batting's light, um, but it's an excellent attack. And I just think Sri Lanka are facing the acid test now and I think we'll come up short. I think South Africa will be too strong. Ed Hawkins, what's your take here? Richard's right, this is the acid test, but I think I'm going to take a risk on Sri Lanka. Um, I quite like them. I may well have been swayed by their performances in the qualifiers and overestimated them, but their hitting ability is different class to South Africa's, uh, particularly with Asalanka, Wanindu, Rajapaksa. Um, so it could well be a very close run thing, but if we get the toss in our favour for Sri Lanka to help them out... We could be close to be having a better the tournament on Sri Lanka because I really do quite fancy them to take down South Africa 
a bit of a stodgy batting lineup. And Richard's right, they've got to get past Rabada and not jail with the pace. But if they do so, uh, danger time for the Saffers, I think. Okay. Um, big words, Ed Hawkins. Richard Mann, it's come to you about the side markets. Have you made up with your man crush in time for this match, do you think? Well, I, th I think the thing is with, with Van der Dussen, I mean, he just, he just <laughs> he plays his own way and he goes at his own pace. And, and I'm not going to stand here and say it's going to win him the thing. I mean, I think he was striking at under 100 today. Um, but he's got gears, as we know, when he needs to go. But I think when, you, when you're betting a number three in a, in a, in a top match, a uh, top South Africa batsman market, you're betting a number three or generally just play the anchor role. I think he's great for a bet. It might not be ideal for South Africa and the other guys around him will probably need to take more risks. But you can get far to one about this guy generally. Um, and he's going to play the anchor role and try and get 50, 60. You know, he'll, he'll do for me and let everyone else play the shots. Hendricks came in today and he was very aggressive. That's fine. Bavuma probably lucky to be in the side, really. I think if he wasn't captain, he'd be struggling. Um, but no, Van der Dusten just looks rock solid for me. <laughs> I'm sure he does, Richard. I'm sure he does. Uh, Ed Hawkins, what have you got? Uh, yeah, good point about uh, uh, the anchor sort of role that these batsmen uh, like Van der Dusten are going to play. Uh, we're always talking about boundary percentage and how important it is to smash it out of the park. However, if you've got a Rassi Van der Dusten who's just going to drop anger and he's going to bat for 15 overs, it doesn't matter the strike rates of the other guys. He's going he's gonna to get you over the line. Uh, we've seen that with Steve Smith. So you've kind of got to go between a rock and a hard place uh, with T20 betting on, on your match odds by looking at who hits the ball the furthest but for your top bats you've got to factor in blokes who are just going to drop anchor and bat time having said that i'm now going to completely contradict myself and say roger paxa if he's anything bigger than eights uh, he will be value on win rate and he has got hold of rabada in the past and he batted at number three in that three zip series in september i'll also note reza Hendricks as well uh who took a liking to the Sri Lanka bowlers. Markram, I don't like following the money, but on win rate, he is going to be value here as well. Okay. I'll, I'll just jump back in quickly. I, I probably should have mentioned, if, if, if like me, you do fancy South Africa here, again, I, th I think the only bowlers in the man of the match market are dead interested. Nokia and Rabada, um, you know, again, a, t a two or three for, from the far overs might well win them. That I'm really interested in seeing how these man of the match markets play out over the next few games. I'm hoping I'm onto something. So if, if you fancy South Africa, I think they'd be the guys for the man of the match market. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Australia versus England is next. We're not saving the best to last. It just happens to be the late Saturday game from Dubai. England are third favourites at the time of recording, which is bizarre. They were favourites the last time we recorded. Ed Hawkins, how do they line up? Roy Butler, Milan. Bairstow, Livingston, Moeen, Morgan, Wokes, Rashid, Millswood. The batting order, Roy and Butler and Milan. Uh, well, no, Roy and Butler aside, we don't know who's going to bat three, don't know who's going to bat four. It's all interchangeable, isn't it? Australia, Warner, Finch, Mitchell Marsh, Smith, who has been confirmed that he'll play a floating role by Australia this week. So that means he might not get in at all uh, if... Things are going well for Australia, but they probably won't be. Maxwell, Stoinis, Agar, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Zampa. England won three of the last four. As we've said with Lizzie Ammon earlier, these tend to be tight affairs. OK, Richard Mann, where is your money going? 
I think England are a different class in white ball cricket. I, I, I'm missing Paul to, to back me up, to be honest. Um, but no, I think they're a different class to Australia in, in white ball cricket. Very good attack, Australia. There's no doubt about it. Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark at the death. Brilliant pace, pace attack. But the batting, there is just no comparison. Toss bias might come back, come come here and hurt England, but I, th- I think all things are equal. But they're they're just too strong. They're just too strong, even in these conditions. Ed Hawkins, are you going to stand up to the man? I'm going to agree with him. I've got your back, Richard. On this, don't need Paul. Don't worry about Paul. Uh, <laughs> Different class in terms of personnel, man for man, different class in terms of stats. Boundary percentage, I know I go on about it. Uh, England are in a different class. I expect them to beat the hell out of Australia. I really do. Um, I would be having a big old bet if I could guarantee that England would be batting second. So um, if the toss goes that way, then make hay, as they say. Okay. And um, what else should we be betting on here? Edward Hawkins, you're first. Uh, I think this is the fourth show we've done for the uh, World T20, is it? And and this will be the fourth time we've mentioned going unders on Warner Innings runs. Uh, I'm sure Betfair Sportsbook are going to clip him a little bit, um, maybe 20.5, 19.5. England and are going to hit him with pace with Wood and Mills. He's been shown to be vulnerable, vulnerable against pace in the IPL. Richard will tell you he's gone at the game as well. I'm sure. I know he'll back me up on that one. So that's a bet for you. And Mitchell Marsh, top Australia run scorer. I don't think he's got much to beat whatsoever. The win rate means he'll be great value for top Australia batsmen. And the Smith news that he'll be floating is good news too because Mitchell Marsh is guaranteed to bat at number three. I'll leave England to Richard. Very interested. If Matt Wood came back in, I'd... Um, this is all fitness permitting um, in missed the West Indies game but I'd be very interested if Mark Wood in the man of the match market or even top England bowler market because I think he can get out Warner and finish with pace um, I think Warner's line was 21.5 um, for the for the opening game against South Africa like Ed says it'll probably be clipped to run or two but that's probably still worth going unders um, and I'm also in agreement about Mitchell Marsh um, I've I can't have the criticism at all. Like he plays pace well, and I think he's okay against spin. So he do for me. He's going to be third or fourth favourite, and obviously Josh Butler's a standout for England. Okay, well that just about wraps up the previews. Best bets still to come. We win you money, it turns out. So do listen carefully. Right, best bets time. Ed Hawkins scores on doors, and then Richard Mann, please. Yes, it's the big man. It's Richard. He's 21.3. What are your best bets for this episode of The Cobb, Richard Mann? Well, I'll start off with uh, South Africa v Sri Lanka. I'm going to have a point. Uh, Rassi van der Dussen, top South Africa batsman. Um, no prizes for guessing that one. And half <laughs> a point um, on Casigo Rabada and half a point on Anrich Nokia in the man of the match market. Moving on to Bangladesh versus West Indies. I'm going to have a point, top Bangladesh batsman, uh, Mohammed Naim, and Afghanistan v Pakistan, a point, man of the match, Shahina Freedy, and then Australia v England, one point on Mitchell Marsh, top Australia batsman. That's your lot from Cricket Only Better. Don't forget to check out betting.betfair for every game previewed in this World Cup. And there's some free bet offers there as well. We're back on Friday 
with more games to preview, so don't miss out. We'll see you then.